This is the Good Omens podcast on TV Podcast Industries in association with Podcastica. And we're looking at Season 2, Chapter 2, The Clue. God will reward him with twice as much as he had before. Oh, praise be. Twice the oxen, twice the goats, twice the children. Twice the, twice the children. Yes, of course. How many does he have now? Three? So we'll get six. Uh, probably seven. You know how God likes sevens. <laughs> right. Gosh. Um, the only thing is, um, well, Sittis is 58. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the, um, the human uh, birth process. Pretty familiar, actually, seeing as how I personally witnessed the very first human birth. Yes, yes, of course. Although perhaps Eve's birth wasn't an entirely typical... Um, uh, anyway... Um, I only meant, are we sure that Sittis wants to give birth four more times? Seven more times. But well, she's already got three children. So. Yeah, but those ones will be dead. Keep up. <laughs> we're not bringing the old ones back. Well, of course not. But we're giving them new ones. I think they quite like the old ones. <laughs> Welcome back, fellow acolytes. Yes, it is John, one of your hosts on TV Podcast Industries, and I'm joined by my own ineffable fiancé, Derek. Thanks, John. Nice to be back on Good Omens Season 2, Episode 2. Exactly, huh? yes. The Clue, but also featuring the minisode, A Companion to Owls. This has confused everybody, <laughs> and I'm so sorry. Uh, effectively, IMDb have the uh, titles and this uh, little... Tag on saying Minnesota a companion to Elves, but actually the title of the episode is just the clue and the Minnesota that everybody's trying to find within X rays and extras and all that kind of stuff. That's just the flashback to Job. That's the Minnesota. A Minnesota in the context of Good Omens is all the flashbacks that we'll see throughout the series. So okay, it's confused everybody. Excellent. Now we're on the straightened path. Yes. To righteousness uh, <laughs> on the, the show titles. Yes. Um, and of course, we are in association with Podcastica as yeah. well uh, to bring good omens mm -hmm. to you all, fellow yeah. acolytes. But before we get started, to those of you who have recently found our podcast, mm -hmm. you can go to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on any heavenly or demon-like podcast catcher of your choice. Hellish, would that be the other word? Maybe hellish Maybe. as well. <laughs> um, you can also leave a voicemail there if you want to leave feedback for our feedback section. Mm -hmm. um, you can leave up to about 60 or 90 seconds of voicemail. Uh, you can also send in your feedback through email to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Mm -hmm. And of course, we are there present on all social media uh, outlets, as well <laughs> as on Facebook with our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries where we yes. do put up spoiler posts for feedback as well. Yes, but the one we're not on is Threads because Threads hasn't been released in Europe yet. That is true. And since we're in Ireland, not in England, uh, the UK, um, we don't get access to Threads. So uh, 
you can't look for us over there, unfortunately. Uh, but you will find us on most other uh, social media outlets. <laughs> yes. And also, we could should quickly mention, John mentions that we are in partnership with Podcastica. You can also pop on over to podcastica.com. You can find our Good Omens podcast on there, along with loads of other great ones, which we'll talk about probably at the end of the episode. Yes, good stuff. Well, mm-hmm. let us get into our spoiler-filled discussion of episode two, The Clue. Derek, who gave us what, where, when, and how? Yes, this show is based on characters from the novel Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. The teleplay for the show and every episode this season is from Neil Gaiman and John Finnamore. And this episode, once again, directed by Douglas McKinnon. Good stuff. And John, as usual, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Good Omens Season 2, Episode 2, The Clue, with a capital C? Sure. In 2500 BCE, in the land of Uz, Aziraphale arrives to stop Crowley from bestowing the nicest guy in the world, Job, horrific disasters to befall him, including his herd of goats. He learns that Crowley is there by permission of the Almighty, and the trials are intended to test Job's faith as a bet between God and Satan. Aziraphale, feeling pity for him, is horrified by the prospect of heaven and hell destroying Job's children. And after some convincing, he and Crowley trick the angels into thinking that Job's children are dead, although hidden in lizard form. (laughs) When the archangels reveal the test to Job and reward him with double his losses, Crowley and Aziraphale hatch a plan. Crowley, disguised as Uzu the Shiite, a professional midwife and cobbler, pretends to extract Job's wife, Sissy's ribs to kids, while transforming his actual children from lizard form. Aziraphale confirms that all birthing was in accordance with how it happened in the Garden of Eden, and the children are in fact new replacements. But Aziraphale feels great guilt for thwarting the will of God, and wonders if he did the right thing. In the present, Jim, short for James, short for Gabriel, seems to be enjoying his job as bookshop assistant, so much he begins singing the Buddy Holly hit every day. Meanwhile, Michael, Uriel, and Saraquil arrive in Soho upon tracing the miracle to the bookshop. However, due to the miracle Aziraphale and Crowley performed, they cannot recognise Gabriel, and leave, still suspicious of Aziraphale, who assures the assembled host that the miracle was for love between Maggie and Nina. As Shax offers to drop the hostility towards Crowley in exchange for the information on where Gabriel is, Aziraphale commandeers Crowley's wheels to embark on a road trip to the Resurrectionists, a pub at 66 Goatgate in Edinburgh, to investigate his brand new clue, leaving an exasperated Crowley to watch over the bookshop and Gabriel. Fantastic synopsis. And first off, I will say I loved this episode even more than the first. It made me laugh so much more. Um, <laughs> yes. The story of Job is a <laughs> harrowing is. tale Sorry. in the Bible. Harrowing, yes. But it's so funny in the context of how they presented it. Yes, good omens. exactly. I absolutely loved it. And we also see the connection from John's synopsis there. The Minnesota to the main story in the episode is all about Job's like Gabriel's new job. <laughs> yes, did you like that? <laughs> Mispronounced, but it was still I, funny. Yes, we'll exactly. leave it in, we'll leave it in. Good stuff. Um, we always talk about our signs of the apocalypse every week, our main moments, the things that we enjoyed about the episode, John. Um, should we kick off with our first sign of the apocalypse? Yes, our first sign of the apocalypse is the bet between heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Who thought they were gamblers, eh? Up there and down there. I guess it's more likely to be down there that there would be gamblers, but... 
well, yes, I gambling. Think, I, I wonder I, if money exchanged or is it just souls? Ooh, that's an interesting, interesting idea. Yeah, I suppose the idea in some um, mythology or some thought is that this is the grand experiment of the Almighty, that Earth and the humans aboard on <laughs> board the planet uh, are kind of a grand experiment. So he's being challenged by Satan because um, the Almighty is saying Job's amazing, he's absolutely wonderful, nicest guy on Earth. And Satan's saying to him, well, the reason he's really nice is because you're really nice to him. So, of course, he's, re- he's responding in a nice way. And the Almighty is going, well, hang on. If we, if you take away all of the nice things, uh, you, you have carte blanche, take away everything. You'll still find Job is quite a nice man. That's the bet between the two of them. It's effectively that Satan is once again questioning the will of God or the plan yes. of God. And can someone keep their faith even when... Everything, including the kitchen sink, has been thrown at him. Exactly, yes, yes. But I love the opening here, uh, where we have um, quite a funny moment with Crowley uh, looking to destroy all of the goats. Now, the fact that we find out later that he doesn't destroy all the goats, it all works very well. (laughs) Which is very good. It's very, very cute. But um, I was quite surprised with the fact that he, he goes through with it and that's in the scene as it plays out initially when you're watching it that Crowley just goes around and destroys all of the goats the innocent goats around him um, and Aziraphale can't do anything to stop him because he has this he has absolutely a permit. massive <laughs> permit that stretches over all the mountains of the land of ooze uh, it's, it's just Uz? Uz or ooze I guess Uz Uz I guess yeah. so, the land yeah. of Uz the land of ooze I think okay yeah I mean <laughs> Uh, I, that's it. I mean, it's just really good. I mean, even just as Aziraphale enters sort of stop damn demon, you mm-hmm. know, all that kind of almighty fire and brimstone type approach. And yep. then sort of it's like, oh, it's you. And then they sort of get into that pitter pat of these two, which is just so great. I mean, it's Always. even where he goes, you know, Job, he's an absolute poppet, which is <laughs> such uh, a br- like an English kind of turn of phrase yeah. to call someone a poppet. You know, um, I think the only place I've ever heard that word used outside of this show is in Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I don't think I've yes. ever heard it used in real life <laughs> other than in movies uh, to show a-, a British person, a very standard British person saying poppet. Yeah. And it's a term of endearment, you <laughs> of know? It so yeah. it, it's just really good. Like, and that's what I love about the show. It's just that pitter patter between mm-hmm. the two of them. Uh, even just, you know, I have a permit. Um, I've got permission uh, for Job to be punished here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I'm allowed to be here and I can destroy his, his little baby goats. Um, exactly. which, you know, and then he says, and his children and his geese. And he's like, his what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, his uh, geese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he's talking about it up in heaven. Yeah. It's the, the described that the geese are the angry ducks, aren't they? Um, and I really like that once again, Crowley's saying, you know, he does have a contract with the Almighty. And then, as usual, trying to have a bit of a laugh about it, he says, but I am a demon. So I could be lying. <laughs> you know, he, he still wants Aziraphale to yeah. feel like he can't trust him because he's a demon, not the uh, not the angel that he once was when they first met. Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you kind of think that God thinks that Job is a poppet as mm, well, absolutely. you know, really likes him and so on. But you do get that moment later on in this episode where you have the spotlight of God speaking to Job and it's kind of so intense you know and you have Job coming back to his wife saying well I didn't really understand it I heard about (laughs) ostriches um, and elephants and he seemed to really like whales but I think the gist of it was if you want answers come back when you can make a whale (laughs) it was just like (laughs) so actually it's just 
God does still consider themselves uh, the ego or egos almighty. Exactly. Um, you know, so I kind of, I'm just the, like, I just like that interaction because, you know, for me, it's like, oh, Joe, maybe it's a little misplaced, this faith here. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly given the bets going on in the background. And I mean, that's the great thing about this whole setup is that, you know, what is happening to Job yeah. is horrific absolutely and you know he's completely shell-shocked by everything that's happened Mm -hmm. you know he's like what must i have done you know initially it's like what must i have done and i'm i didn't even know the sin that i was going to do that must be why this punishment is so bad yeah you know whereas his wife uh, certis is a little bit more clued in Mm -hmm. and you know um you know, I'm sorry, we're, we're just dealing with the wrath of God at the moment. <laughs> uh, but then kind of, you know, it's a bit like yeah. almost challenging towards the angels as well. Well, absolutely. Yeah, kind of that that definitely felt a bit Blackadder-like or um, or Upstart Crow-like. It felt like one of those um, historical people having uh, speaking in the way that we would speak right now. You know, yeah. that, that comedy around it. Uh, do, of course, have to call out the return of Francis McDormand yes. as, the, as the voice of, of the Almighty again. Uh, great stuff. Uh, Francis McDormand, of course, uh, provided the voice for uh, for God uh, in the first season. So uh, great to have her reprising the role here in the second season. I love I love uh, that continuity, I suppose, definitely. Uh, of, of her uh, providing the voice. It's cool. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I think uh, we should move on to our second sign of the apocalypse for Job. Yes, small um, signs of the apocalypse this episode because it's really just two parts, isn't it? There's just the past and and the present. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which is Aziraphale wants to save the children. Who doesn't want to save the children? Absolutely. Seemingly Crowley, but he might actually be a bit predisposed towards that because, as you said, he saved the cute little baby goats he as did. well. He did. Uh, turned them into ravens uh, to to hide them or crows to to hide them. Do you know? I was wondering, was that? A joke about the what actual crows sound like because they do. Now that I've seen it with <laughs> with the goat uh, braying uh, as their as their call, now I'm kind of thinking when I'm in the garden and I hear that noise, maybe that is just a baby goat turned into a crow. <laughs> um, but, well, it's not entirely dissimilar, is it? No, but I think it's not quite goat like. No. I think you need to see a few more goats. I'd probably need to see a few more goats. I do I do live in a city. That's not something we see very often here. But yeah, I love how this all comes about as Irfel, uh learning that the children are also going to be taken from Job um, and how matter-of-factly the archangels are putting this. You know, this is this is the plan. The uh, hell is allowed to do whatever they want to, um, you know, take his land, take his goats, take his children. And then when they respond to Aziraphale saying, but don't worry, once it's all resolved, he'll get double what he lost back including now seven children being born to his 58-year-old wife. Um, well, you know, yeah, exactly. And Aziraphale trying to really politely, of course, because it's Aziraphale we mentioned this last episode, really politely trying to say, you know, that's not going to work. A, seven, a 58-year-old woman is not going to be able to give birth seven more times in her lifetime. Um, so I, I really like uh, how that conversation comes about. And uh, Gabriel's under the misconception that really it's just take a rib from a body and it turns into a child. That's the birth of uh, that he's witnessed before. So that's how it always happens, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I really just love this whole concept. It's really subversive, mm-hmm. uh, done in a really funny way. 
I mean, even just the fact that actually Aziraphale, you know, there is this whole thing of him going against the will of God mm-hmm. in, in this, uh, but he's there to stop Crowley, which has the will via the permit of God. And, mm-hmm. you know, so in a sense, he's already rebelling without him knowing it. And you can, it, it's almost the ignorance of the archangels to Aziraphale who has kind of been the shepherd and steward yes. on earth, realizing that actually it's not all done through the ribs anymore, the birthing mm-hmm. process. The idea that, yes, uh, Job's wife is at her sort of age of 56, 58 is going to suddenly have to give birth to seven replacements mm-hmm. and just the the horror of the fact that well they quite like their current children, well exactly and yeah. um, and would quite like them back actually mm-hmm. uh not <laughs> totally replaced yeah. and still dead even though they've got seven more children yeah. so it, it's really really good and it's also just that pitter-patter with crowley and aziraphale as well you know where crowley on being challenged to stop um, and does he really want to do it? Says, you know, I do want to kill blameless kids like I killed the blameless goats. Mm-hmm. And then we have the transformation of the, the crows into the goats uh, as they bleat instead of core. Absolutely. Uh, so I really enjoyed this and I enjoyed seeing them saving the kids from the burning house by mm-hmm. just bringing them into the cellar and then, uh, just having them turned into, uh, the the lizards and oh. Jemima was just really good. The youngest kid, absolutely. I love the introduction to them. There, it's uh, it's Keziah, daughter of Job, Enon, son of Job, Jemima. I made a pot. <laughs> also, daughter of Job. Thought that yeah. was thought that was really fun. And it's like she sees her siblings being turned into the lizards, and she's like. Well, can I get turned into one as well? Yeah. And he goes, well, you haven't annoyed me yet, mm-hmm. but I want to. I want can to. I be a blue one? <laughs> and he's like, Zzz, and in they yeah. go. Um, so, but, but what's what's also, I suppose, a, a, a good little joke here as well is the fact that these three kids who don't know that they're about to be sent to hell effectively or killed by uh, by this demon um, think that he's there to deliver wine for the next party. They're privileged <laughs> three kids who are the children of God's favorite son on earth, Job. So they think, you know, he just clicks his fingers and angels arrive well, it, with uh, with wine. Well, that's for parties, it. It felt so. like the the clown entertainers coming to the kids' party. Yeah, basically. Was, yeah, yeah. Oh, we've got our angels. They're bringing like the the finger food and and the wine. Mm-hmm. I say finger food. It was ox rib, and yes, it so it was quite big finger food. It was, and we also saw the temptation of Aziraphale. Yes, uh, into more earthly desires. I suppose uh, you you mentioned it before. He's the person that knows uh, humans much more than than others. Uh, the the uh, the time that he's spent on Earth, he's grown to love them he's grown to respect them um and he he, but he's never touched food before that's not something he would ever do Uh, i do love that again another great back and forth between crelly and aziraphale where um he's saying to him are you trying to tempt me demon And he's like no no not at all it's totally your choice if you want to try the meat um and he also doesn't convince him to try wine but we know now in present day, Aziraphale's... Uh, he likes a fortified wine in sherry. He likes a fortified wine, but he's also a big a big fan of a good wine uh, to go with his meals. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that. We've seen that as well. So, um, so obviously, uh, Crowley does eventually tempt him over into that as well. Well, that's it. I mean, because here, this is, you know, where Crowley says, you know, I'm a demon that goes along with hell as much as I can, mm-hmm. but I'm on my side. And this is where this first gets brought up. And, um, yes. you know, that 
Yeah, just because you don't do everything that's said, but you're still doing the job. It's just the challenging of the unfettered faith Mm-hmm. that Job is giving to God. And, yeah. you know, Crowley doesn't believe in the unfettered loyalty and devotion and faith, even to Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm here doing my thing, um, and I am going along with my orders from hell yeah. as much as I can, exactly. but not all the time, like killing cute baby goats, yes. or indeed children. Yes, and if you think about it, that's also what originally got Crowley into trouble, questioning yes. <laughs> the orders of the Almighty got him into trouble in the past. So um, so in this case, he's effectively saying, I do what I need to. I don't question it. I just don't do the things that I don't want to do. Um, so, And he doesn't get punished for that. It's it's the questioning part that was the problem. Um, yeah. So we're going to see that. We'll call it our third side of the apocalypse. We see that where Crowley chooses to help um, Aziraphale, save the kids. You mentioned that piece already, but um, it's the fact that Aziraphale lies and covers something up, and it results in Aziraphale questioning everything about who he is, yeah. what what he what it means to be an angel, um, and aligning to the concept that Crowley's brought along, this idea that he can still be an angel, mostly sides with heaven, and mostly goes along with what they have done. It's the hoodwink, though, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that not only does Aziraphale straight lie to Gabriel mm-hmm. in that this is the birthing process and that these are new replacement children, yeah. not the original look three. Exactly like the three um, at the same age. Yep. <laughs> not only does he do that, but it's also that he goes along with uh, the subterfuge that Crowley as Shua the Shiite uh, does. And, I mean, all of this was just really, I thought, great. Perfect. Like, um, like I, I, I'm a Shua who makes shoes because <laughs> well, even people in Shua need shoes. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, yes, I can also give birth. Yes, I'm a professional midwife and cobbler. <laughs> it's just like... That would be an awesome, you know, if, if only those random skill sets could be uh, profitable, I guess, um, <laughs> as together. But it, it was mm-hmm. just really good. And it, it it's that hoodwink as well. But yes, it is. Um, and even, you know, the constant kind of nudging and sort of looking at Job to get him to lie, yes. you know, as... Job doesn't quite get what's gone on here. And that's what I mean. Sirtis is, is a little bit um, she's more in the loop here mm-hmm. uh, and kind of nudging him and telling him uh, as she sees what's pl- playing out between um, Shua the Shiite and then Aziraphale. Yes. So I like that. But then it comes to that point where, yeah, there is, you know, the darkness that envelops Aziraphale because of mm-hmm. that, who thinks then... Right, you know, he he meets Crowley at a lovely sort of seaside uh, cliff top mm-hmm. uh, with lovely sunset. Going right, come on, take me. Uh, I'm going to hell um, because I've lied. And Crowley is like, I'm not going to tell anyone, so n- nothing has to change. Yeah. And effectively, you know, Crowley says to him, "You're an angel who goes along with heaven as much as you can." Uh, but you're on your own side. Exactly. And then he realizes the loneliness of that because of Crowley's lie, that mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily lonely, but it is. Yeah. 
Um, because, uh, as Crowley says, again, and repeats it, I'm a demon. I lied. And that's the way he confirms that, yes, it is a really lonely life when you're traveling that path, um, staying to your own morals and going against what uh, heaven wants sometimes because it doesn't fit with what you would do. So, uh, yeah, I really, I really like that kind of roll back to uh, he's a demon, he could lie. So um, that's kind of how their how their relationship stands, I suppose. Yeah. And all of these, this let, let's say the Minnesota, as it's as it's being called, this flashback to what happened in the time of Job, is really kind of set up for what's happening in the present day with um, the miracle that Aziraphale and Crowley performed to hide Gabriel from the angels. Um, that is effectively Aziraphale again, you know, going against heaven's will, I guess. Yeah, in right? hiding Gabriel. And that kind of brings us back to our fourth sign of the apocalypse, which is going on in the present day, right? So, yeah. uh, so I guess it's back to Jim. Um, the nice bookstore attendant who's uh, sorting books by the first letter of the first word in each book, <laughs> which is uh, absolutely useless. hilarious and completely useless, but very enjoyable for Jim. He's, he's really enjoying himself there. Um, and we get our, our kind of big lead off and the, the name of the episode is The Clue. And the clue here is that Jim starts singing the song Every Day by Buddy Holly. Yes. For apparently no reason. And once again, when uh, when... Aziraphale tries to prod him on it. He goes, what? What was I singing? Um, Aziraphale asks him, when did you hear that song? And he said, earlier on, when it came out of my mouth. Um, so uh, so this kind of sets us on the path of the current time. Um, Aziraphale once again calls in Crowley to uh, to try and find something that could connect this clue to uh, to what's happening with Gabriel. Why, uh, why is Gabriel here in the coming storm or the coming apocalypse? What could it be? So, uh, So we have them working together again hiding from heaven yeah and it also links into the story of job that we've been seeing as well cut into this episode yeah. um which is really good i mean we do get um gabriel almost coming back to gabriel form you know you see the the glint of of purple mm. in his eyes you know it's as crowley and gabriel have just come back from the dirty donkey pub and <laughs> uh, trying to get something out of gabriel you know yeah. what's the first thing you can remember you know crowley almost trying to sort of frighten it, sort of shout it out of him. Mm -hmm. And he starts recanting things and he comes with, I remember when all the morning stars sang and the angels shouted for joy, which is what we hear God say to Job when he's spotlighted. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ooh, you remember that from Job. And it's just, you know, that little connection coupled with him singing Every day, yeah. it's a getting closer. Uh-huh. Uh, it's mainly that line of the Buddy Holly track, yeah. and Aziraphale has picked up a copy of um, the the track on record. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, on the the record, it's that this pub up in Edinburgh is sending all of these down to her because each time they're in the jukebox, they're coming back. They're turning into Buddy Holly's Everyday Track. Uh, And on that, the sticker is the pub called The Resurrectionist, which we saw on the Matchbox in the last episode. Absolutely, the Matchbox Uh, that was still in heaven. Yes, up in Edinburgh. So this pub may be some form of conduit. Well, yeah, absolutely, and and for book fans and people who uh, who watched the first season of Good Omens, uh, a, a little nod here as well to uh, to what was happening with um, with cassettes in Crowley's car, all turning into uh, into the best of uh, Queen. Uh, yeah. Now we have um, records turning into uh, this specific single from uh, from Buddy Holly. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, this is so that's that's a genuine sign of the apocalypse, though, in comparison to the other ones that we just called our signs of the apocalypse, right? So yeah. this is this seems much closer uh, a connection to what could become definitely. Yeah. I love how Aziraphale lying again to the heavenly hosts that have come to his bookshop mm-hmm. by saying, "Oh, the miracle! Luckily, it works because they don't recognize Gabriel." And Aziraphale is explaining to the heavenly hosts mm-hmm. that he perform this miracle in order to bring Maggie and Nina together all yes. for the act of love yes they're such love birds and she's my tenant <laughs> he's trying to explain <laughs> exactly. why he would use a miracle of this magnitude to bring the two of them together I think yeah. it even said in the car you hear Shax talking to um, to Crowley and saying this was like an archangel level miracle that they performed yes so, so um yeah, do you need to do that to bring two lovers together? I think they talk about it in the bar and the Dirty Donkey about yeah. um, having to now fulfill this thing that Aziraphale <laughs> and said. get Nina and Maggie together yeah. when Nina is very cool on the idea. Well, yeah, Nina's in a relationship <laughs> yeah, as well. Exactly. Um, but Aziraphale explains that's not how miracles work. You can't just snap your fingers and get two people together. So they'll have to genuinely do something to get the two of them together. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I love their little uh, perception because, you know, Aziraphale Crowley, Lovely guys, spent a lot of time on Earth, but I don't think they know how love works either because (laughs) their references are, you know, looking at uh, four weddings and a funeral and how those two characters got together. So if we replicate that, that'll definitely work for for Nina and uh, and, Maggie. Well, that's it. I I love the fact that it's you need to cause a downpour Mm -hmm. so that they're caught under an awning uh, together, escaping from the rain. And I love that back in London, after Crowley has been... Uh, spoken to by Shax mm-hmm. that he bumps into Nina and he's kind of testing out uh, Aziraphale's plan mm. for, for Maggie and Nina with, with by asking Nina, you know, would she take shelter under an awning with Maggie in the pouring rain? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, good to know. And like, Nina's like, okay then. Oh, you've really gotten to the heart of who I am as a person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> really good. Really, really good. Uh, love these moments. And again, really interesting here with the uh, the angels coming down to uh, to visit the bookshop and find out what the miracle was. And we have some great moments. Again, John Hamm doing some great comedy yeah. here as he's there but not there, seen but not seen uh, as he's walking around them and they can't recognize him at all. So I really like that Michael, who is the archangel, who is the main archangel now, I like that she has a moment, given that she's worked with Gabriel for millennia, she has a moment where she seems to have a flicker of recognition about who Gabriel is. And he says, oh, well, of course, I'm the one that let you in at the door over there. (laughs) (laughs) Really enjoyed this. Uh, Yeah, so great fun. Really good. Um, But they leave. Very suspicious still of what's happened um, and saying that they're going to be sending somebody else back to investigate this miracle and mark it as a miracle on Earth. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So that'll be interesting. But with all of that happening and with this clue in the forefront of Aziraphale's Mm. mind, he decides that he will go off on an expedition up to Edinburgh in order to investigate this pub, the Resurrectionist. Absolutely, we're in season two now, so that means you got to have a zero veil driving the Bentley and uh, and Crowley sitting in a bookshop. Yes, um, exactly. You got to you got to swap their positions. That's what happens in not season only two, sitting right? in a bookshop and looking after it, but uh-huh. also babysitting Gabriel yes. as well. Yes, uh, so really kind of enjoyed uh, 
that little ending, you know, sort yeah. of propels you into the next episode to oh, see yes. what happens up in Edinburgh, I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. But also, a nice little relationship touch there between Aziraphale and Crowley. They have a shared car and they share the bookshop. Yes. You know, even though Crowley believes he still owns the car. They both own it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was given back to them by Adam, right, uh, in season one. And the bookshop was given back to them by Adam in season one. So it's their bookshop and their car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that. Really good. Uh, a couple of notes uh, for this episode. Just because we didn't call it out, it's kind of a big moment, really, with uh, with seeing who was playing Job. Um, Job was played by Peter Davidson, who's my Doctor Who. Uh, he was yes, Doctor he's Who. He's my when, Doctor Who as when, well. When we were kids, just yep. the, just the time that we were getting into Doctor Who, after Tom Baker, uh, Peter Davidson came in um, as the Doctor, and of course David Tennant, uh, being a very recent uh, Doctor Who, is actually his son-in-law. So um, he's married to uh, to Peter Davidson's daughter, and Job's son in this episode is played by Ty Tennant, who is David Tennant's son, and therefore Peter Davidson's grandson. Exactly. So Ty Tennant, David Tennant. Peter Davidson, all together. There is a family, family within unit. the family scenes of the Job story. Exactly, exactly. exactly. You may have also seen Titanant in House of the Dragon. Played a really good role in there. It was great to see him on, on House of the Dragon. But uh, but I like these moments here. And I, I think they're almost lampooning the idea with the way that he's playing Anon as this completely privileged child that gets everything he wants to. I like that they're kind of lampooning the idea that, you know, this legacy family with uh, Peter Davidson and David Tennant, who've been famous now for decades, and what their son or grand and grandson could be like, oh, give me everything. You're yeah. just here to serve me the angels of heaven and hell. <laughs> You're just here to serve me wine for my party, you know? So there is a little gag in there about, yeah. about their... Uh, their family, I guess. Definitely. Because so, yeah. there's, there's a, if you, if you ever follow, um, David Tennant's wife, um, on Twitter, uh, she always has a great lampooning of any kind of ego that could be there from the family. So, uh, so there's always good jokes there with, uh, with, with them and how they, how they treat fame, I suppose. So, uh, so I think there's a good little line. Definitely. There. Definitely. Good stuff. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, notes for me, I loved the interaction in the Dirty Donkey around Jane Austen, where Crowley is <laughs> she like, writes books as she's well. a spymaster, <laughs> smuggler, and as she's not she was uh-huh. a writer of novels yeah. and he's like currently he's just like i love the line where he just says she wrote books too you think you know someone <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so that was the worst thing it's just so well done uh-huh. it, just the delivery of that i mean the line to write uh, and, and that delivery it is the coming together in such a great way i just yeah. loved it uh that yeah. idea that jane austen uh, was I mean because there was always that thing about a lot of uh, female writers would be their pseudonyms would actually be male, um, because there's, mm. it's always the lampoon in in the Black Adder where it's like uh, I think it's Jane Austen she had a she was a Yorkshireman um, uh-huh. from wherever with a big bushy beard so it's uh, it's just kind of that reverse lampooning I think uh, exactly. which was really good. Yeah. Uh, as well absolutely speaking of the dirty donkey i don't think i've wanted an angel power more than being able to walk into a busy bar in soho <laughs> yeah. point at somebody and get them to get up finish the drink and walk away so you can get their table uh, uh, absolutely you know what you know how useful that would be in dublin and in london um, you know john you've, you've been to bars in dublin and london so uh, yeah so it I, I, would be very good if you could do that for sure yeah. very jealous of that one. the other note i have is i just like the little um 
cameo almost here from Shax as uh, she informs Crowley that Gabriel has disappeared and about the huge miracle. You know, she starts off saying, you know, the demon is hated in both heaven and hell, but mm-hmm. finishes it off with this really lovely threat that, you know, and if you don't help, you'll be hated by heaven and hunted and eliminated by hell. Mm-hmm. You know, just ups the level of um, anti there for Crowley. Exactly. And we know last week, in last week's episode, Jax was talking about, you know, there's something going on. Now she knows it's Gabriel that's gone missing and somebody's hiding Gabriel. And she kind yeah. of accuses if Aziraphale is involved in that, uh, he'll also get a punishment yeah. as well. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, my other note is there is a measurement for miracles as when Saraquel is in uh, the bookshop in Soho, she informs Aziraphale that the miracle registered 12 Lazari uh, on the meter. So Lazari was the person that Jesus brought back from the dead. So this <laughs> yeah. is 12 times the size of miracle <laughs> bringing someone back from the dead. So, And that's Crowley and Aziraphale performing supposedly half a miracle each. <laughs> yeah, I can see how that would when register. When your powers combine, oh, I exactly, guess. exactly. <laughs> Greater than the sum of its parts, that Very kind true. of thing. Very true. Or else, so the the idea of hiding Gabriel from every entity needed that level of a miracle. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know which way it works, uh, but they definitely didn't intend to do that powerful a miracle Not at all. <laughs> Certainly. I love this episode. I'd give this four and a half Lazari out of five. Um, I just, I thought it really, I loved the whole Job tale. I thought mm-hmm. it was darkly funny. Yep. Um, I loved its subversiveness. Um, I thought Peter Davison as Job, just really good. It was it was just like sh- this shell-shocked man, yes. really. Um, I loved like, the inter- what have I done? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought yeah. the interplay between... Crowley and Aziraphale, again, just absolutely on point. I love that getting that origin story in terms of, in effect, both of these are angels fallen from grace. It's just one is still an angel because mm. he's covered it up. Yeah. You know, not that Aziraphale is evil. Yes, they are different. Yes. As Crowley says, he's still a demon mm-hmm. and I did lie. Yeah. But I, I, I think Crowley... Aziraphale feeling that he's fallen because yes. he's questioned or... Exactly. And against, yeah. just with it being Crowley's line, you know, about going along with hell or heaven as much as I can, but I'm ultimately on my side. I, mm-hmm. you know, the agency of the two of them, even though one is with hell, one is with heaven. Exactly. I, I thought that was just really clever. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously with the clue... Just that little additional step with the everyday from Buddy Holly mm-hmm. and now uh, and that other little clue with the Resurrectionist pub up in Edinburgh linked to the Matchbox yep. and how all these records are turning into the Buddy Holly track mm-hmm. and Gabriel sort of unknowingly singing along with that yep. and speaking the same words as God. So mm-hmm. is... God and Satan back in with another bet, potentially, but on a bigger scale, not just one person, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because you do have that moment where Aziraphale is looking through a lot of paper cuttings Mm -hmm. um, about things getting closer and and from in different parts of the world as well. So, um, like, I think the the newspaper that he picks up to begin with is the Scotsman, which is the Scottish newspaper. Yes, exactly. Um, so Edinburgh is the place to go. The 
centre, possibly, of this new threat or problem. Yes, exactly. Or at least the uh, the Resurrectionists uh, pub yes. may just be the centre of it. Uh, or or Gabriel is um, sending a message potentially uh, by turning everything into the into that song. Maybe it's something to do with that. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see next week. Yeah, I love this episode. Really, really good. Um, as I said at the beginning, it made me laugh even more than last week. I think the, yeah. they've hit their stride with the second episode. And that's, you know, exactly what you expect after, you know, a four year gap between seasons. You have to do a lot in the first episode to set up all your new characters and set up the new, uh, the new roles for everybody. So, uh, this episode being a great historical tale, um, particularly one from the Bible with Job and how the two of them really formed their bond, even though Curly is still proclaiming that Aziraphale doesn't know him at all. They've now shared something in this tale with Job that uh, will bind them now. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Excellent stuff. It is time, fellow acolytes, to move into our feedback section. Mm. Uh, I wonder will we get any corrections on last week's episode? Oh, you were right. You were right. I was wrong. You were right. I'm just setting that up now. There's probably things we got wrong <laughs> from probably. last week's episode. So maybe that will be our theme for our Facebook, for our feedback uh, exactly. each week. Yeah, you were, you were right. We were wrong. You were right. Exactly. Okay. I think so. But first up for our feedback on Facebook, Donald Dennis says, I'm all in for this. I could just watch these two actors in about anything. The first episode was fun. Things moved along and it felt like very British television, Mm -hmm. especially how the special effects weren't great. (laughs) Well, that didn't bother me. It made the show feel kind of homey. The cast also seems great and appropriate. The only real problem might have been the audio. Were, Were the sound issues for anyone else? I can't put my finger on it, but the sound quality seemed inconsistent. Hmm. Other than that, I don't have any real criticism of any depth. Everything seemed appropriate. My wife and I couldn't quit streaming it, so over the weekend we devoured all six episodes. It was grand. I look forward to a total series rewatch. Excellent. No content spoilers, but it feels like it was definitely produced with hope for a third season unlike season one, which felt like a complete story. This will feel incomplete if we don't get another. Interesting. Mm-hmm. No content spoilers. Thanks very much for that, uh, Donald. And I, I do like that we got uh, both sides. Uh, just started it. Absolutely love this. Right, we've streamed it all. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was good. Good stuff. Um, really good uh, news for anybody who is a fan of Good Omens, anybody that has finished the season and is coming back for a rewatch with us on the podcast. Uh, Neil Gaiman has clearly said, he has outlined the third season. It's ready to go into writing. But of course, with the writer strike, he is a writer. Um, with the writer strike, he's not going to be working on the project at all until they've res- resolved to pay the writers what they should be paid, right? So, uh, so it is there. He is planning to have a third season. His big advice is watch the episodes, share the episodes, get other people to watch the episodes. And by the time the writer strike comes out, hopefully, Prime Video will. Uh, green light a third season watch them loads watch them along with us uh send in feedback to us keep it going and we will uh we will all together we will get a third season of good omens together and i know donald knows this but you know a reminder of course the first season was based in a book that was already 30 years old yes and was absolutely a complete story uh when it was told but uh, i know that there was always that idea that if there was more seasons there would be a further season beyond season two um it's clearly been made that way don't want to talk about any possible cliffhangers at the end of the season because we don't know we haven't seen them um but you know i i can understand why you would want to have as much of this as possible i suppose um from from gaming but i wouldn't imagine it's going to be a four or five season show or anything like that i think he'll probably do two and three 
yeah, uh, potentially. Good stuff. Well, Good stuff. look, I really hope uh, Neil Gaiman gets uh, a third season of yeah. this in the same way as he got the second season for Sandman as well. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's, uh, these are really different shows yes, from the, the normal um, shows, I think, that we cover. Mm-hmm. And again, just because of the style of Neil Gaiman, it, it also the setups are different. They feel different. They feel quirky to normal, you yeah, know? Exactly. And it kind of infuses the whole project and, and, and series. And I just really am in tune with that and love it, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. Oh, and just on Donald's question, I didn't notice anything on the sound at no, all. No, me neither. Um, no. But because we're watching a little bit slower, if there was an issue with the sound, it may have been fixed. If you just watched it in the first weekend, they may have just fixed the issue with the sound since that first weekend. I don't know, but I definitely didn't notice any any issues itself. But another good reason to go back, if they fixed the problem with the sound, you can check it out again. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. Thanks, Donald. Yeah, thanks, Donald. Uh, Kevin Coyle over on Facebook also says, thanks for fast-tracking me to watch season two. I am loving it. I don't know what happened to my brain, but thinking of you lads, I got an overwhelming urge to rewatch the 1987 Leah uh, Thompson's Some Kind of Wonderful uh, for the final credit song. It's a Celtic version of Can't Help Falling in Love by Lick the Tins. And if you can ever incorporate the song into one of your podcasts, I would be eternally grateful. See, that's our Irish and, and English brogues, John, that, yeah. uh, that has Kevin thinking about uh, thinking about <laughs> that song. You know, I know that song so well. My brothers were huge fans of uh, of everything that came out from John Hughes and Some Kind of Wonderful was no exception. Yeah. A great soundtrack. That song was played very often in our in our house. And I think they were one-hit wonder from London. Um, They, they specifically uh, got together, did that song. And I think they did maybe a couple other songs, but definitely their version of Can't Help Falling in Love. I know it very well i can instantly hear that tin whistle uh, in my head uh, <laughs> i know <laughs> good stuff kevin but of course sorry i did say this to kevin on facebook we can't incorporate the song unless we uh, pay them for for the usage of it can so, we uh, incorporate 10 seconds nope no such thing five seconds no such thing four no three we can do zero can i try and sing it or we could get chris in our resident uh, <laughs> opera singer mm. um with a bad tone uh, to yes. to sing it. Is that what he's trying to do? He's trying to do opera. Is that why it no, sounds like not. nothing no. else ever recorded? No, he's just tonally deaf. Okay, yes. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's worse, but we probably won't be able to do it, I think, Kevin. But uh, but interesting suggestion. And, and yeah, thanks for reminding me of the song. I did listen to it after I saw uh, your message on there. Thanks very much, Kevin. Yeah, thanks so much, Kevin. Bobby Pomelas says, I just want to add, why didn't you all put the lines Nina says to Crowley about Mr. Fell being a dark horse and his naked man friend? <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And Martin Sheen was deep flush red at that moment. <laughs> oh, that was such a good line. But there's so many per episode. Yeah, isn't there? absolutely. There's so many ones that we could pull. Um, and this is why there's a feedback section, Barbie. You know, uh, you tell us the ones that we missed. And we'll share them on the podcast, you know, the ones that, that stood out to you. You know, there's, there just really is. I was trying to take notes on this episode last night, and I think I ran to about th- three pages because almost every line was gold. Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It's so gold. And so much fun. Every line is gold, and just how it's delivered is gold. Yeah. Like, even if it technically, I guess, just reading it on a piece of paper, it may not come across as funny, yeah. but the context of it... And the way it's done in this show is just so, so good. Exactly. It's really good. But Thanks, I, Barbie. But you're totally right, Barbie. That's a great line. Yeah. And also, the um, you can tell there's a little prodding from Crowley there wanting to know more about this situation. He thinks it's he thinks it's really funny that um, Aziraphale is getting really embarrassed by the prodding from, uh, from Nina as well. So uh, that's a, a really fun moment. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Barbie. Yeah, thanks, Barbie. 
On this episode, uh, specifically for Good Omens, Dr. Bob Phillips says, The story of Job was the heavenly highlight from this episode. The appearance of Crowley's father-in-law as Job, the ribs to kids. And I wouldn't normally say this, (laughs) but some children do deserve to be turned into geckos. And the the theying of God by Mrs. Job. Nice touch, scriptwriters. Is the Buddy Holly song going to be this season's reworking of Queen in the original book? I think it is, Doctor yeah, Bob. Yeah, I, I think, think it's. So. I think that's the uh, that, that's a good little touch there as well. Um, Doctor Bob continues uh, listening to your wonderful podcast again. Got me to recheck something I thought might be a coffee bar question, forgetting that there's no pub quiz for good omens, unfortunately. Uh, but I got reminded. What is the strength of the miracle AZ Fell performed? And the strength of the miracle was what did we say? Twelve. Twelve Lazarus. Twelve Lazarus. There you go. So yeah, that that could have been a pub quiz question uh, or a coffee bar question or a dirty donkey pub quiz yes. question <laughs> oh what a great name for that a pub pretty good. and hoping it actually exists mm. probably doesn't we've been to so a few times and I've never seen the Dirty Donkey pub uh, down <laughs> well, there we may have been we may have been in <laughs> the Dirty Donkey pub we may have been just not aware of it <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> good stuff excellent stuff <laughs> thanks Dr. Bob yeah thanks Dr. Bob uh, Cheryl Jones says we recently did a Bible study on the story of Job, so I found this particularly delightful. Such a good retelling. If you enjoyed this, I would highly recommend A Serious Man by the Cohen Brothers. Oh, very good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah we went to see that on uh, Premiere um, yeah. in, in Dublin. I remember watching, really, really enjoying it. Was it was good, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and really good. The trials of Job, effectively, are the trials of the serious man, yeah. the, the uh, character at the center of that movie. That's a really good uh, suggestion, Cheryl. Yeah, and totally agree, Cheryl. You know, this is such a good reworking done mm-hmm. here by the the writers and and performers. You know, yes. in terms of that dark comedy that's brought to it, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. We, we've mentioned the extra the X ray function on uh, on all Prime Video shows. This thing where you press a button and it gives you some little highlights of things that are going on in the scene. I love the one that was on there for uh, for this story of Job, which said, "If you'd like to know more." In a story without um, without so much Aziraphale and Crowley, read the book of Job in the Bible. <laughs> so uh, they're even having a little bit of fun at it. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Cheryl. Bobby Pomelos says, for this episode, episode two, my favorite part is the story of Job. Those kids are so spoiled and the angels don't know how human pregnancies work. <laughs> also, I love that Jim is alphabetizing the books based on the first letter of the first sentence. Any bookworm would tell you that's insanity. <laughs> Muriel isn't the brightest bulb in the package either. Yes, I don't think Gabriel ultimately would be a great librarian no. <laughs> or, or bookshop uh, keeper, to be honest. No, keep him away. So, yeah, definitely keep <laughs> him away. Uh, and you're right. The story of Job here was done so, so well. Yeah. Uh, glad you liked it, Barbie. And thanks for, for the feedback. Keep it coming in. Absolutely. Um, Parthenia Dupree Locklear says, I'm a demon. I lied. Just perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. It just tied up the whole episode really well. I liked it. It really uh, did, didn't yeah. it? And it was almost bittersweet mm-hmm. in, in a sense, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, now you know my, now you know my loneliness effectively. Yeah. I was never going to admit it to you, but now you know my yeah. loneliness. Uh, great stuff. Thanks, Bethania. Uh, finally, Kat Craft says, this season is phenomenal and Derek and John are brilliant. Highly recommend both. And if you don't find Tennant and Sheen irresistible, I'm rethinking our friendship. 
I totally agree with that. I would rethink the friendship of anybody who didn't uh, find talent and she irresistible. Absolutely. They're fab together. They're really, really good. They're just so, so good. And thank you, Kat. Uh, I haven't been called brilliant in a long, long time. You are brilliant, John. See, I'll say it to you in person. Oh, well, thank you. I just uh, don't want to blow my own trumpet. Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, that's very kind of you, Kat. Thanks very much. Thanks so much, Kat. Um, and we did say that every moment and every uh, and all the writing in the show is is gold. That there's so many great lines in it. That of course we will say that is, of course is because it really is our sense of humor. This show it's it just aligns so much with great British comedy like Blackadder, like um, as we said, Upstart Crow. You know those yeah. types of comedy which which are historical and have great banter in in the in the writing. So I think it does a really good job of that and is hitting that our sweet spot of comedy. Yeah, uh, if I can speak for both of us, John. I think you can. I think you can. Good uh, stuff. Excellent stuff, fellow acolytes. Thanks so much for all your feedback and mm-hmm. keep. It coming on into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or through our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Absolutely. I'll be posting our uh, feedback post for the third episode uh, after this one posts on the uh, on the group. So you can pop in your thoughts about episode three. Yes. Uh, and of course, remember, uh, fellow acolytes, please subscribe to any godly or devilish podcast player of your choice over on TV podcast industries. And of course, uh, please remember to share the podcast because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing, sharing the, the love. love. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, We're coming up on 800 podcasts this year, John. Wow. Yeah. And we should we should actually hit 800 by the end of this year. So loads and loads of other shows uh, out there to check out that we've been covering as well. Definitely. Uh, in loads of different ways. Not all as funny as Good Evans. No. Not and you can see our progression as podcasters. Exactly. Like, I dread to think what we sound like on our first episode. Oh, I've got it, John. I've got it. I know I can, you have. I, can, I can play it for you. Um, Please don't. But yeah, not very many of them at all. As funny as uh, as the good omens. No, show. not absolutely. Um, and of course, remember we are over on patreon.com forward slash TV Podcast Industries, as well as buymeacoffee.com forward slash TVPI, where you can also support us uh, as well. Absolutely, any support is appreciated. And of course, uh, sharing the podcast is support. So um, exactly and, yeah. as is feedback. So exactly. all good stuff, fellow acolytes. Absolutely. And once again, a huge thank you to Jason Cavassi and Podcastica.com. Check them out for other great podcasts uh, on their on their main feed at the moment. Uh, Jason, Jenny, and Randy have just started their podcast on season one of the White Lotus. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, it's really absolutely. good. They're just uh, two episodes in, and apparently for research, uh, Jason and Jenny are heading off to Hawaii for their for a holiday. Um, <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> and they just. They were just going to try not to be a-holes, uh, even though they're going there for, they're not going there for research, they're going there for a holiday. Yeah. But uh, go check out their coverage of, of White Lotus if you're watching that show or if you've never seen it before. Hey, do the same as you're doing with Good Omens, watch uh, watch that and watch along with uh, with them on their podcast. Uh, also, Strange Indeed with Rima Joe and Paik, uh, they've just finished their Black Mirror Season 6 coverage. And over on Run For Your Lives, Daphne and Paik are covering movies that would make you run for your life. Uh, they've just covered The Babadook uh, this week. And they'll be discussing Insidious Chapter 2 Ooh. coming up. Yeah. And finally, Ben and Kristen are continuing their revisited podcast. And after four years, they're just a few episodes away from the end of their lost episode by episode podcast. I think they've got about four episodes left of the podcast. They just hit 100 episodes. So I think it's 104 episodes for Lost. Excellent stuff. So Love loads and mm. loads of stuff on podcastica.com as well exactly go check it out yeah so thanks so much for joining us fellow acolytes we will of course be back next time with good omens season two chapter three i know where i'm going it's also featuring the minnesota the resurrectionists mm. dun, dun, 
Well, now that we found out what a Minnesota is, it's just a flashback. Um, yeah. I guess. I guess Aziraphale and Crowley may have had some dealings with they may Resurrectionists have done before. Indeed, yeah. Good stuff. Yep, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Yeah, remember fellow acolytes, keep watching, keep listening, and the apocalypse is coming, so grab your hard hat. Dr. Dr. Bob, Bob Phillips. Yes. Don't forget your stethoscope as well. <laughs> and your white coat. Maybe a mask. And your PPE. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Meanwhile, Michael, Uriel, and Saquelhol arrive. <laughs> Saraquel. Saraquel. I got slightly confused by there being no U after the Q. <laughs> oh, yeah. Meanwhile, Michael, Uriel. Uh, uh, la, la, la.